With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. E-S-N-Y. and welcome into the next state of mind podcast mac is still here chip murphy and danny small and you know we are going to pick up where, where chip you actually did an emergency pod for us uh i believe on saturday when the news broke that tom thibodeau is now the new nick coach a five-year deal uh and, and we want to just kind of pick up from where we left off it's really the first time that me and danny have had our chance to get into this and kind of dissect this and and share some of our feelings towards uh, Tom Thibodeau being signed. And, uh, you know, before I pass it to you, Danny, to get your thoughts on it, again, this is not something that we didn't expect to happen. Uh, We've been covering the coaching search for the past couple of months now and, you know, giving updates on it. And I think every time that we had a, a coaching topic, we all said, it's Thibodeau's job. I mean, it, it, he's the front guy. It's all these other guys that we have discussed are only going to get the opportunity if Thibodeau's turns it down and goes somewhere else. So it, it's no surprise. I wasn't shocked by the news. I remember when it broke, people were like, oh, you in? You guys got Tom Thibodeau. Well, I, you know, people down here ask me if I'm like, is that good? Do you think that's good? Do you, are you surprised by that? I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, we, we knew it yeah. was coming. Uh, but it's finally finalized. We know what we got. Now it's time to build, you know, everything else with the team. But let's start with you, Danny, on this. Start off with your thoughts on Tom Thibodeau being the next Nick head coach. Well, first I'll just say um, just wanted to give a shout-out to a friend of the show, Jonathan Macri, for – I mean, he didn't break the news of the hire necessarily, but um, way back in February, he was the first to report, um, I think it was at like 90% t- chance that Tibbs is going to be the guy. Uh, so just want to throw Macri a quick shout-out because he was on this story very early. Um, but I think it all stems kind of from that is, you know, kind of what, piggybacking off what you're saying. We're not surprised by this. Tibbs was long – the guy who was really, you know, kind of leading this this charge. They ended up, I think they got up to 11 candidates in total. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of those guys, there was some Spurs guys, Mavs guys, you know, six. There's like a ton of like, you know, up and coming head coaches or assistant coaches who are probably going to be head coaches at one day. And I think they there were a lot of good candidates in the mix there. But to me, Tibbs was always kind of the guy and he was my number one uh, if – if you look back to our show uh, a few weeks ago when we ranked all the coaches, he was my number one. And just for the simple fact that he has a good track record, I know there's all this talk about people slandering him for, you know, running some players into the ground, you know, maybe not meshing completely well with Carl Anthony Towns and some other young guys. 
but when you look at his track record of actually developing guys into stars, you look at Derrick Rose, high, I, you know, number one pick, he's, he was supposed to be a star. So you give Tibbs credit for making him into a star. Obviously, there's some stuff there. People, you know, kind of put the blame on him for Rose's knee injuries. But I think that's a little unfair. But you have, you know, the top-level guy. He did well with Rose, you know, in the beginning there. Turned him into an MVP. And then you look at another guy, Jimmy Butler, who didn't come into the league as a star. Was, you know, a little bit more uh, undervalued. And Thibodeau helped develop him into what he is today, you know. Probably, you know, a top 15 guy in the league, I think, uh, you know, max level player, a guy, you know, who a lot of people were thinking the Knicks, you know, maybe should have made a run at, maybe should have traded, all that stuff, whatever. Point is, Thibodeau has a good solid record of, of developing talent. And that's one of the kind of things that I think pe- some people say he doesn't do, like he doesn't connect with young players, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I think you give him the benefit of the doubt. He's done a pretty good job at developing guys. And then the other thing, which I don't think anyone who knows Tibbs or knows anything about him or knows, you know, anything about basketball will argue that he's one of the best, like, in-game and pre-game coaches around. Like, in terms, you know, obviously there's some level of concern from people about, you know, maybe he's not going to be innovative enough, he's not going to get with the times enough, yada, yada. But when you talk to people about how he pre-games, how he gets ready, how he gets his teams ready – uh, obviously he's got hard nosed guy. He expects a lot from his teams, but he's going to be, you know, and I forget where I'm seeing, I saw this quote recently, uh, but someone, you know, he's going to be up until 4am reviewing film on, you know, the Dallas Mavericks who they're playing in a couple of days. He's going to be the guy, you know, putting together a game plan that's going to work. He's going to be the guy that gets these young players like RJ, uh, Mitchell Robinson, Frank, whoever they draft, he's going to be the guy who basically teaches them how to be a true NBA player and how to get ready for one, uh, one, every game of the 82 game season. Like he's going to be the guy who I think can instill kind of an identity, uh, a level of toughness. And as I've said before, Barrett, definitely a guy who I think will kind of buy into that. I think he's more Jimmy Butler than he's a Carl Anthony Towns. I think, I think RJ Barrett has that hard nosed mentality. I think, uh, he's he's pretty mature for his age. I think he'll be able to handle Tibbs kind of coming at him. Um, and then also you look at it, Barrett was with Duke, with Coach K, Coach K with Tibbs and Team USA, so there's connections there. I think Frank will be another guy who will, who will do well under Tibbs because he's a hard worker, great defender. I, I can see Tibbs, you know, going along with him there. And then Mitchell Robinson can be a little bit of a wild card. He's a little bit of a goofball. But fabulous defender, really coming along on offense. I think Tibbs is definitely going to like what he sees there. And then kind of just leading into another point, I know I'm kind of being a little long-winded here, but a lot of thoughts. My other point, they're talking a lot about, you know, what assistant's going to bring in. They're talking about a couple of Kentucky guys, maybe Mike Woodson. I think keeping Mike Miller in the fold would be huge for Mitchell Robinson. So last summer they worked together. Well, I guess now, yeah, last summer. Um, they worked together, you know, in New Orleans, uh, down in Louisiana, uh, near Mitch's home. Uh, Mike Miller was like kind of a big reason for Mitch's uh, development this year because after his rookie year, he looked good but very raw. This year, you could say a lot of the same things, looked good but very raw, but there was definitely some improvements there. And I think Mike Miller staying in the fold, being one of his lead assistants would do, do a lot for Mitch, 
the other young guys because you do need some level of continuity, some level of um, kind of just familiarity for these young guys because there's going to be moves. There's going to be changes to this roster. Leon Rose didn't come in here for, you know, a very slow rebuild or anything like that. Like there's going to be ro significant roster changes over the next season or two seasons, whatever you want to call it. I think kind of keeping Miller in the fold will help Tibbs make that transition. And, you know, just to kind of wrap up this long-winded uh, monologue here, but you, you, I think you have to be cautiously optimistic if you're a Knicks fan because Tibbs has a track record of success. Obviously, he's never gotten, you know, over the hump as a head coach, but he won a, he won a title as a lead assistant in Boston. His Chicago teams were really, really good and potentially championship winning, if not for some, some guy named LeBron James. And then with Minnesota, Minnesota hasn't done anything. Even with Kevin Garnett, they barely did anything. I mean, I know he just got them into the playoffs as an eight seed. I don't want to, you know, put somebody up on a pedestal for that. But Chicago's sucked since Thibodeau's left. Minnesota's sucked since he left. Carl Anthony Towns is obviously – a fabulous player uber talented like I don't want to like slander him or anything like that but he's not winning like he's not doing anything in Minnesota without Tibbs either so I don't think we can sit here and say oh the game's passed and blah, 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 blah. like I I truly think Tibbs is pro like out of the candidates who were there he was the right guy for right guy for the job and of course it's better to go with Tibbs than Jason Kidd so I think with all that like kind of late push for Jason Kidd, sticking with Tibbs uh, was the right call because, as we've said, he was he was kind of the front runner from you know the start of this race to now. So I'll shut up and I'll let you give your thoughts, Matt, a little bit more in depth because I just I had a lot of uh, a lot of stuff there that I needed to uh, to kind of break down. And and you know I think everything you brought up there, there's a lot of you know, questions that you have in, you know, coaching staff wise, who they're going to bring in. Um, you know, I, again, I, I, I love the fact that you bring up Mike Miller as well, because I'm right there with you on that, Danny, that I think that he's a guy that the, the Knicks absolutely should keep around. Like, I know it's weird anytime that you see a guy that was in the head coach position all of a sudden get removed from that role, you usually kind of feel like uh, they don't want me in the organization or, or you just don't typically ever see that. So even though he's an interim coach, typically when you see somebody else hired, that person moves on. I would like to see Mike Miller stay on the staff uh, for, for the Knicks. I think, you know, he's built a relationship with a lot of these young guys. I thought he's handled everything that he had to deal with this season. Uh, fairly well. I mean, and there was a lot of things that were kind of just thrown at him that he was kind of thrown into the fire where, you know, the, the leadership and the management kind of pushed him in front of a mic and said, you know, you kind of deal with this type thing. And I, I thought he handled it very well. So I would love to see Mike Miller on Tom Thibodeau's staff. Um, but of course, you know, Tom Thibodeau is going to bring some of his guys, guys that he's worked with who he's comfortable with as well. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how they fill out the rest of the coaching staff and you know with Tom Thibodeau's again this wasn't anything that wasn't expected uh, you know for months you, you kind of knew that 
the only way some of these other guys that they were interviewing were going to get the head coaching position if Tom Thibodeau didn't want it, if he wanted to go somewhere else. It was his job. Um, you know, I give the Knicks credit, though. They at least did, as you mentioned, 11 different candidates. So they did – they didn't just go, okay, you want the job. You know, they did their homework a little bit. They did interview other coaches and try to see if there's anything else that they may be missing or something that could completely blow them away to kind of, you know – make them change their minds and bring in somebody else. But, you know, they knew that Tom Thibodeau was their guy. And for me, and I think, Chip, you would agree with this as well, uh, is the fear of him not really able to adapt and change. And I think, you know, I don't think there's something, like, totally wrong with him being a, kind of a hard-nosed coach who's going to push his players and demands his players to play hard and play defense. I mean, I, shoot, the Knicks need that. They need a kick in the ass with their defense. That It's been so poor over the last several years. They need somebody that's going to pride themselves on, on coaching defense and being tough and being physical. And, you know, I don't have a problem with all that. It's just you hear about the, the starters playing 40 minutes a night, you know, practice, all that good stuff. I, I would hope that – you know, over the years, yes, he's been successful. If you look, I think he's, you know, coached over 500 games in the NBA and has a winning percentage of like 50-something percent. So he's over – I think he's 11th all-time is what I was reading, you know, about uh, Tom Thibodeau so far and coaches that have coached over 500 games. So the guy has won and has had success. I know a lot of that early on was with great Bulls teams that kind of had their injury issues and all that. You can blame – Tibbs or, or not, whatever. Um, I don't think that's all on him. I just think sometimes that's just the way it is. But I still do have a little bit of a concern is, is he going to be able to kind of dial things back at times? And I think every coach at some point has to go through some kind of change. They have to be able to adapt to what's going on in the game today. The players are just not the same like they were 10, 15 years ago. He's going to have to realize that and change and maybe – you know, through his coaching experiences in Minnesota or, you know, sitting out has given him a little perspective on that. I want him to be one of those, you know, tough coaches that's going to push his players and all that, but at the same time know when to kind of let his foot off the gas a little bit, ease up a little bit. If he could find that blend, then I think he can kind of work out. Uh, you know, again, fans always talk about, the 90s Knicks and how great that era was and how much fun it was and the toughness of that team and all that. Well, this is a guy that was on the coaching staff for Van Gundy. So, you know, he's somebody that knows what the expectations are in New York. Uh, he's been around it. It's not going to bother him. You know, he's going to understand that the fans want this team to produce and, and be competitive because that's all we freaking ask for is to go out there and, and play with some heart, play with some passion, uh, which – hasn't really been the case the last several years. Um, you know, when it comes to, you know, that aspect of it, he's experienced it before. He knows what fans are going to expect. He's comfortable with it. So I like that aspect of, of the hire. Uh, the question mark that I have, again, is kind of what you were, you know, referring to, Danny, is, is talking about uh, his relationship with these young players. You know, it didn't – him and – Carl Anthony Towns did not click very well. That was obvious. Um, but he's got a young team. He's got some young stars on this team. Is he the kind of right guy to develop these players? 
you have some evidence as you shared, Danny, that yeah, he's has success developing players. Uh, he's, you know, developed uh, Jimmy Butler was a part of that. And, you know, I was reading something on ESPN and I forgot who the writer is here. I think I have it pulled up cause I want to give credit. I don't want to say like it, it was my uh, point cause it wasn't, it, oh, it was, Woj. it was Woj. That's, you know, should have known that. Uh, Woj was talking about, um, you know, the developing of DJ Augustine. And I know DJ Augustine's not like a superstar in the league, but some of his best years was in Chicago and things like that, you know, some guard play and things like that. He's not no superstar. I know that, but I'm just saying, he's, you know, there's, I mean, there's, he's hung around for a long time. There's something exactly. to be said about that. And he's, he's running the show for, uh, for Chip's team now, the Orlando yeah. Magic. I was going to yeah. say, he's a superstar in my heart. That's what he is. Yeah. A <laughs> well, he's a Texas Longhorn, so I have love for DJ Augustine. That is my, that's uh, the college that I, I root for. Um, ask me why. I, I just watched Vince Young back in the day um, and became a Texas fan. That's kind of how that has, and I followed him ever since in every sport. Uh, but, you know, the point is, he's has a track record of developing some players. You know, I think a lot of people like to look at what happened in, in Minnesota and kind of go, well, he didn't click with Carl Anthony Towns and kind of get a little, you know, turned off by that. But there's, again, he's had success with some young players and, and Chip, this is kind of where I want to bring you into this uh, with this topic of, you know, we, we are in a, a situation right now where we got a young team, right? We got young talented players that we're hoping that can develop into superstars and Tom is the guy. He's the, he's the coach that is going to be given the task of developing these players and seeing if he can get the most out of him. So in that aspect of player development, do you think Tom is the right fit here to develop guys like, you know, Barrett, um, you know, Neil Aquina, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Knox. Can he fix Kevin Knox? Because last year was so dreadful. Could he be a big part of Mitchell Robinson's development? What What is your take on uh, – Tom Thibodeau's and developing of young players. Wow. Uh, I, I have no idea if he can fix this roster because I have no idea how these kids are going to react to him yet. You know, mm -hmm. you mentioned, Danny mentioned the, the Bulls young group and those guys reacted completely differently to the Minnesota guys than Towns and Wiggins. And uh, I guess Levine initially and Tyus Jones, you know, I, Danny, I think when you talked about like the, the 4 a.m. quote. I think you were talking about that piece in the athletic from that John Krasinski guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That, that's what I was thinking about. Like when, cause he gave like a huge, it was great piece. Everyone should read that one. It was, he gave a huge background on Tibbs and he it was actually pretty complimentary of him for the most part and really complimented like his offense and said he, uh, that Tibbs' biggest problem was that he, just didn't communicate with the players at all. Yeah. Like literally, like, uh, I guess towns, he said, wanted a, a coach who would be direct with him. And that just isn't Tibbs. Like, right. to, I guess Gorgie Jang, uh, one, uh, Tibbs's first season, Gorgie Jang started all 82 games for Tibbs. And then he just came in, the next year and I guess a, a backup jersey was in his locker and Tibbs didn't even tell him he, he was just it was just assumed he was coming off the bench that year because Taj Gibson was signed and he was the starter and he was Tibbs's guy but it was I guess Gorgie Jang was disrespected by that because 
he had started all 82 games the year before that. So he thought there would be a conversation. So I guess, I guess the Chicago guys, like, cause in the article, he describes it as like the Chicago guys who were there, like Taj and D Rose and Jimmy Butler would try and reassure the young guys like, Oh, that's just how Tibbs is. But those guys reacted differently. Like they didn't need a coach to like, talk to, I guess to talk to them I don't know <laughs> so it all it all depends on how because look the whole this whole I wrote when I wrote about the hire I wrote this whole new Tibbs thing anyone who's buying that come on you're out of your fucking mind if you're buying that Tibbs is gonna be Tibbs I, I think I, I agree with you I think I can see him adapting like from a schematic point of view you know what I'm saying like I, I could yeah. see him like updating like offensive that, schemes I, think that I can see him changing but I agree with you like he, he's, he is who he is as a person and as a coach. And yes. like, like you said, that goes over really well with some teams, certain, certain teams like the bulls. It was, it was almost perfect for that team for mm. the Timberwolves. Not so much. Yeah. Some badass motherfuckers like Taj Gibson and Joakim Noah, Derek Rose and Luol Deng. They don't give a shit about a coach putting their arm around right. their shoulder. A guy like Carl Anthony Towns needs that. It's different. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if – look, like you said, Mitch is a wild card. Who knows? R.J. Barrett, I don't think he needs it. I think, I think he'll be fine. Like we, yeah, we mentioned about I Coach K multiple times. Yeah, Coach K yeah, was exactly. screaming yeah. at him for a year. Yeah. I think he's probably desensitized to that type of coaching mm-hmm. after that. Right. But we'll see. I, I don't know. I think – I think I was just gonna fine. say I, I think I think Tibbs is kind of like he's like he's like I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna do my job. You better show up and do your job. Yeah. And like that's that's just it. Like he's not here to coddle anyone or to you know baby anyone. And I'm not saying that. Like I'm not I'm not trying to say that that Carl Anthony Towns or anyone in Minnesota was you know a baby or anything like that. I think obviously different leadership styles work for different teams, but. I think Tibbs is the kind of guy where he's like, he's not going to, he's, he's, he, I, I'm going to, I'm going to do my job to the best of my ability in terms of getting you prepared for, you know, for the, for the next game in terms of, you know, working you hard in practice. But I think he just expects the players to be like, listen, you do, you know, you, you get us prepared for the game, but you know, I, I that's like, I, I just show up and play like that. I think he kind of thinks that's the way like it goes with the players Whereas like some other coaches like are, you know, going to do it a different way. But if we're going to, if we're going to talk about that, like the Knicks last coach, David Fisdale was supposed to be the master communicator and the players loved him. And he always kept everyone in the loop on everything that was going on. Like sometimes I don't, maybe a coach doesn't need to be that in that upfront. I mean, it, I'm not, I'm not wording this very well, but Sometimes you don't need a David Fisdale. Sometimes you need a Tom Thibodeau. He was yeah. like, did you, have a, did you ever have the teacher in high school who tried too hard to be your friend? That's who yeah. David Fisdale was. Yeah. yeah. He was always trying to be the friend. Like, none of, the, none of those guys feared him. I think I saw Mark Berman wrote that. None of those guys feared him. And sometimes, like, the coach, every once in a while, like, he, not all the time, but every once in a while, the coach needs to instill a little, like, fear 
Yeah, th- intimidation. Yeah. I think I think and, in every in every man's life, you need to have like a little bit of fear in your coach and your father. Like that's right. a good thing for everyone yeah. to be a little and bit afraid of of their coach. Because in and that their quality, dad. that's where Fizdale is like. If you're friends, that's more like you're the assistant. You're that you know, as the mm-hmm. coach is kind of ripping you in one. Then you got and the then, good cop, yeah, bad cop you got, type thing. You yeah. got the you know after practice, right. you're pissed because you know the the head coach laced into you in front of the rest of the team. And then, you know, I think Fisdale, that's a perfect thing for him to, you know, be the guy, like, go over and, like, put his arm around you and say, like, listen, man, this is what he means. Like, this is this is what Spo is trying to get across when he mm-hmm. rips you in front of the team like that. I think Fisdale's really, really good at that, which, you know, back to my point of, you know, a Mike Miller or, you know, right. even I, – like, I don't want to harp too much on Mike Miller because everyone knows how I feel about that. But, like, even a Mike Woodson or, you know, just getting the right guys around Tibbs, I think will will work wonders for that because Tibbs is not going to be the guy to put his arm around you after practice and, and console you. <laughs> like, he's not going to do that. But if you get – you know, if you get a good assistant who knows how to how to kind of walk that line and, you know, kind of – keep keep people together and then going a little another step forward further having taj gibson in the in the building is going to be a good thing for yeah. tips i think too you know they should definitely keep him now for sure and i know you got to kind of be careful when you like speculate these and so i don't know i'm not around these guys you know danny you're around the team a little bit more during you know after the game and stuff like that and, and it's still probably hard for you to kind of say but i just from my perspective kind of like what you were saying chip i think Barrett has no issue with this. You know, like, he's used to this from Coach K, this kind of tough coaching and all that. I don't think it's going to bother him at all. Quite frankly, I think Frank Nielakina is going to love it. I, th- I, just, I, just, I think He'll he's going to – I think he's going to love it. Kevin Knox? I don't know. I, I know I know Calipari's kind of the kind of coach that would chew you out and get in your face and all that. I just – I don't know. I, I just – his confidence is so shaken, you know, and Tibbs is not the kind of guy that's going to give you, like, oh, you – and you know type thing like if you don't play well you're not getting in there like you're never going to touch the floor or anything like that I I'm a little concerned about Kevin Knox with it like you know just from that aspect of his confidence already being so shooken and, and Tom is not the guy that's going to like you guys said put his arm around your shoulder and tell you everything is going to be okay I don't know if you guys feel that same but way in that aspect the counterpoint to that and I'll say that after covering Knox for two years he's a guy he doesn't really get too high or too low he's you know even after a bad game he's kind of like you know these are the ups and downs of the NBA this is just you know part of the learning process he's pretty level in that regard but for Knox it hasn't it hasn't worked with a coach that'll put his arm around you know it hasn't worked with a David Fisdale um, you know it didn't work with Mike Miller you know not that they had too long to to figure it out together but maybe maybe Tom Thibodeau is the kind of guy to to light a fire under his ass I mean, you think about it, you know, Kevin Knox, uh, I mean, sim- he's similar to R.J. Barrett in the sense that his father was, you know, big-time athlete. Like, his his dad knows what it takes to be successful at that level. You know, he's a football player, Florida State with Charlie Ward. Like, his dad has been around, you know, these types of coaches his whole life. I'm sure, you know, I, I'm this is speculation, but I would think that, you know, Kevin Knox and his family are kind of like – all right, you know, a, a hard-nosed coach to kind of, like, whip this team into shape might not be the worst thing in the world. And then just kind of going back to R.J. Barrett, same thing. His dad, you know, Rowan, was, you know, big-time player, you know, now, you know, runs mm-hmm. Team Canada, all this stuff. Right. Like, he knows what it's like to be around these hard-nosed coaches. I mean, he he uh, he played at St. John's. Like, he's he's 
in tune with what it's like, you know, New York and all that stuff. So I don't think this is going to be like that much of a shock. Like I actually, I mean, he couldn't, it's Tom Thibodeau couldn't do any worse by Kevin Knox than, you know, he's done the last couple of years. Uh, Maybe, you know, maybe this is exactly what it takes for a guy like him to, you know, kickstart his game, get his defense in check. And then once he figures out his defense, his shot starts falling, you know, one domino starts falling, then it snowballs into like all of a sudden we're like, wow, Kevin Knox is actually, you know, a decent, decent little player here. Um, So, you know, I, I think, Kind of my word, and I used the same word with David Fisdale a few years ago, cautious optimism, or phrase, not word, but cautious optimism. With the Knicks, they haven't figured it out in so long. You almost have to assume that they're not going to figure it out again. But at the same time, I think it's unfair to to Thibodeau, and I think it's unfair to Leon Rose, and uh, even, you know, even Dolan. Like, it's unfair to them to just – write this off and say it's not going to work uh this is this is terrible you know another terrible Knicks move blah, blah, blah. it's unfair to to say that cautious optimism because like i said it hasn't worked in a while so you would you would have to think there's a chance it fails but at the same time it's not fair to just assume that right and you know, and I believe, and I could be wrong on this, and I was trying to find the quote, but I, I think it was Tosh Gibson that said, you know, if you, as a player, if you're a player that wants to be coached, then, then Tom is the right fit type thing. You know, it might not be the exact quote on it, but I do know that, you know, he has spoken about some of the criticism that Tom has got. And, and, and that's the thing I think for these young players, if they want to be coached, they got a coach that's going to come in and do exactly that. And if they're okay with that, they'll succeed. If not, they're not going to be the right fit in the system. It's just that simple. And the other aspect of this, we're talking about player development. But, of course, here's the big thing that everybody wants to, you know, kind of talk about. You know, that's why you see some of these other coaches that were even interviewed uh, impossible candidates for the job was, how can these possibly coaches attract some free agents? Could they be, you know, remember Jason Kidd has some ties to Giannis and stuff like that type of crap, what we typically hear. So the question is, is, is Tom a guy that's going to lure some of the big name free agents into this? Or is it, you know, kind of where I am? I don't think the coaches necessarily always matter. I think it's more about what you got on the roster already. But does Tom help out? Uh, the the free agent perspective on this chip. What would you say about that? No. Yeah, I'm with he, you. I don't yeah, think I'm he right moves with the you. needle either way on free yeah. agents. I think that's Leon Rose's job and World Wide West's job. And I don't uh, think Thibodeau matters at all. Honestly, free agency. that's I think I think that's a good thing. Like I think Thibodeau yeah. kind of just you being don't down, want him down, in the room. Yeah. Thibodeau just being down the line and like not a positive or a negative in that regard is a good thing. Cause you think about the last way that the Knicks tried to have a big, you know, successful free agent hall. It was let's have Steve Mills and Scott Perry who are not known recruiters. Let's have them as the front office and let's put David Fisdale who every star loves and they all want to play for him and they all come to play for the Knicks. Like that failed Miserably. What a crack of shit that was. That failed miserably. So let's go with the the president, you know, the front office, Worldwide West. Like, let's go with those guys 
as the recruiters and like let them do that job and like let's just let Tibbs focus on the basketball side because just kind of uh, this is an old old Knicks topic at this point but we saw how the Nets attracted Katie and Kyrie obviously things have dramatically changed there with Atkinson getting fired and all that they wanted but, to play for Kenny Atkinson yeah, yeah. of course yeah. <laughs> but but in truth the reason why they went to the Nets was one because it was a place that could sign both of them and DeAndre Jordan but two it was because the Nets had a nice little run there and you know mm-hmm. went to the playoffs as a six seed they had obviously they cut ties with Russell but they had you know Karis Levert, Spencer Dinwiddie like they had a couple nice pieces and it was like they had a foundation you know, that they yeah they're, they're looking from the outside in and, and who knows what happens with them in terms of trading away guys to get another star and all that stuff that's I don't want to get into that but essentially the reason why they were kind of put on the map was because it's like all right they you know they had a solid season they showed some progress and then now you know free agents are at least looking at them the Knicks and I don't know how good the Knicks are going to be next year I don't think they're going to be making a run to the playoffs but if the Knicks show a little bit of progress have a little bit of you know improvement show some stability type thing under Thibodeau then that moves Leon Rose and World Wide West up to the forefront where they can be like, hey, like, look, we're building something here. You guys can be, you know, the ones to really take it to the next level. Like, at that point, they can do some recruiting. And it doesn't have to be this kind of just, like, wishing and crossing your fingers and hoping. Like, that's how they're going to eventually attract a free agent, which – I think we all understand at this point, like that's kind of the goal is to get a big star. I mean, I don't think they hire Leon Rose uh, without that kind of being part of the process. Yeah. It's one of those things again, though. And I know that's what everybody's wondering because it's one of those things where the Knicks are, that's the plan. I mean, they are going to be the team that try to set themselves up for free agency. They are starting to try to, to hit right in the draft and, have a young core and all that stuff. They're trying to have cap flexibility, all that good stuff. And and, and I know that's what people are, are wondering. But, again, I I just don't think, as you said, Chip, the needle moves very much with, with the coach uh, type thing. I think it's more of our front office. It's more about if the, the way Tibbs can make us more desirable to free agents is if he starts developing these young players and they start producing, as you said, Danny. If we are competitive, that's where you start – seeing where people go you know what I can add to this team and that these guys are developing and when they you know hit their prime or right into their prime I can compete not only for this year and next year but for years to come type thing so I I think that's where the coach can kind of impact the you know the, the needle of free agency I mean you look right now like Greg Popovich is one of the best coaches in NBA history it's not like see uh, San Antonio is a luring the big name free agents you know what I mean like and he's as big as it comes as a head coach type thing so it, it's more I think about if the organization has their crap together if they have a foundation you know and of course if they have the money I mean, if you don't you don't have the money nobody's going to come and that situation is obviously the Knicks are working on that of trying to keep themselves with that that cap flexibility to go and get multiple guys type thing. But, again, I think it's about the development of these young players as well as having the money to reach out to them and, and make yourself more desirable here. So I think that's kind of where Tib falls into the where we – how he can help 
you know, make us more desirable to free agents type things is how he develops our young players. Uh, but we're at the point. Danny, if you're saying something, I can't hear you through it here. I turned on my mic because I was coughing. There we go. I was, just, I was like, I see I'm, your mouth yeah, moving. No. I was like. <laughs> I was coughing before, so I turned it off. But I'm, I'm, I know I'm rehashing a point here, but I think it's important to say it again. That's not what you – you don't want your coach to be your main active recruiter. Like, I feel like yeah. that we've, we've almost rarely seen that work. Uh, you can say Kenny Atkinson recruited – Kevin Durant because of what he said, saw on YouTube videos, but that obviously wasn't true. But, yeah, you don't want your coach to be like, you know, Joe Recruiter, you know, Calipari. He can recruit because he's a college coach. We NBA head coaches are not recruiters. That's just right. not the way it works. I agree, absolutely. And I think there's, again, the way that you make yourself desirable is how you – you know, help the, the core, develop the core of the team and stuff like that. Do you have things together? Well, there you go. I mean, you, you'll look at the development core of what Brooklyn has and, you know, Kenny Atkinson got fired. <laughs> I mean, once the, star, the stars came in. So it's – I don't think the coach really makes that big of a difference uh, in the eyes of free agency, but I do know that's what people are always wondering. And, and that's why it kind of blows my mind when it's reported that, oh, this guy's brought in because he has a good relationship with this guy. Like, that, nobody gives a crap about that. Just, I could still be friends with whoever. Like, you know, David Fisdale has friends with LeBron James. Well, LeBron James can be friends with David Fisdale and not play for him. I mean, uh, it's just, that doesn't make any sense to just say because you know him you're going to help bring them in. That doesn't always work like that, you know. LeBron James was friends with Carmelo Anthony for years and wouldn't trade for him. So, exactly. yeah, he definitely can. And didn't even have him this year. Yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't, add him, wouldn't add him to the Lakers when exactly. they, had, they had tons yeah. of opportunities. Doesn't mean you still can't be friends. Which it, it doesn't. This is kind of a tangent, but going off, off point, the Lakers could have probably used Melo. I, I think, I mean, he showed on, on the Blazers, he still had a little something left in the tank. In the, yeah. right, in the right role, I don't think it would have been the worst thing for the Lakers to get Mellow. Skinny Mellow's making but, the yeah, comeback. But I digress. That's that's a different topic for a different day. <laughs> well, final part of our show always, the last call segment. Anybody with any finishing thoughts before we wrap it up? Any closing remarks? My closing remark for it is, is Tom Thibodeau uh, going to allow Mitchell Robinson to shoot threes because his Facebook video showed that he made five in a row? <laughs> No. Uh, nope. No. All right. No. All right. I don't think so. <laughs> Couldn't help yeah. myself. I've been waiting the whole show to say that. I guess I'll let him shoot threes because he made five in a row on Facebook against a guy that's like four feet tall closing out on him. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't think I, I have nothing specific uh, for a last call segment. Um, but honestly, just happy that. Uh, you know, kind of the coaching search is over. Yeah, because it was – I mean, and, you know, the Knicks, they dragged it on a little bit. But like you said, they did their due diligence, all this. Uh, obviously, they had to make this move while I was down on vacation at the shore. So, obviously, <laughs> they had to do that. And then the Jets had to trade Jamal Adams. and uh, Which I love that trade too, man. Yeah, Douglas, no, I'm, I trust. I'm, I'm all about that too. But, of course, all the big news in New York sports had to drop while I was on vacation. Don't feel bad. I was playing softball. So, yeah, I left so, Chip hanging big time. It is what it is, but uh, but yeah, no, nah, I think Tibbs is the right call. You know, with with all the information we knew, now you know, just move forward and and uh, try and make this thing work. 
All right, well, let's wrap it up, and we'll be back next week for another episode of the Next Day to Mind podcast.